When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To Caroline Leaf and welcome to this podcast. Today we are continuing this discussion on ADD and ADHD, a real hot topic. When we gather information like puzzle pieces without putting the puzzle together, intellectual growth is stifled. And this is kind of what's happening when we talk about ADD and ADHD in society today. What we have is a crisis of quantity over quality and the consequences are frighteningly evident in society. The developed world currently faces a purported ADHD epidemic, for instance, where thousands of people, young and old, struggle to concentrate, to learn, to remember, and to think deeply. Thousands of individuals of all ages are being incorrectly labeled. This really, really concerns me as biologically wanting and are medicated with brain-damaging substances. This is a very, very serious situation. Let me just say that again. There are thousands of individuals of all ages that are being incorrectly labeled with ADD and ADHD and seen as biologically wanting and are being medicated with brain damaging substances. Rather than asking what is wrong with our society and the kind of thinking that it promotes, you know, like with all the social media and the busyness and the incorrect eating, we are placing the blame squarely on the individual's shoulders or more to the point their brain divorcing him or her from the context of her life and as soon as we start divorcing person from the context of their daily life we are going to we are going to do damage to that person's functionality and I can honestly say for 30 years I've been in this field I've done brain research for 30 years um, specifically on the mind-brain connection and the metacognitive mind and learning disabilities and these things that we're talking about and I've practiced clinically for 25 years and this what I have just said to you now is is really of a tremendous concern. We are labeling people incorrectly. We are managing the situation incorrectly. 30 years ago, you didn't just pop someone on medication. You actually looked at the child's life in context, whether they were young, whether they were in high school, whether it was an adult, whoever, whoever was battling with concentration or communication in some way. We we did not just in 10 or 15 minutes label them with something and then stick, stick them on a medication. It would take me two to three hours to work with someone and evaluate them and look at the context of their life and find out all kinds of things like who are you how do you think what do you do what are you what's your diet like do you exercise um how do you learn how do you handle what do you like to do and when and that takes time and currently people are being diagnosed as i mentioned in the previous podcast within 10 to 15 minutes using an 18 point scale and i'm going to actually go through that scale with you and i'm I'm pretty certain you're going to say yes to most of those questions which pretty much means that all of us have got ADHD and it's not scientific because there's no ways that all of us have ADHD. We all have our own unique way of thinking and this needs to be recognized and we all live in a very, we live in, we live lifestyles that aren't always the best lifestyles, you know, too much social media, too much technology, incorrect diets, not enough exercise, not dealing with our anxiety. All of these contribute to damaging the brain and impacting the way in which we learn and communicate and pay attention, which are the typical standard descriptions of ADD and ADHD. I get terribly concerned when I go to conferences and I do 
conferences all around the world in education and churches and, and medical conferences and so on. And so many people come up to me and say, oh, is it okay to take Ritalin? And these are people that are in their 50s and 60s and 40s. And sometimes people will say, oh, my child's two years old and they've just been diagnosed with ADHD and they're on Ritalin or Vyvanse or one of these or Adderall. And I nearly pass out. I have to really control how I re- react and respond because that is not good science. That is based on really, really bad science. I'm going to reread the definition of the, the simple definition of what ADHD is currently described as. It's a su- summarized version. The most commonly cited theory of ADHD is, is that the hyperactivity, lack of focus and impulsivity of classic ADHD results from some sort of dysfunction amongst chemicals and synapses of the brain. So you can see instead of looking at the person in context, people are looking at at the brain and you are not your brain your mind and your brain are separate your mind controls your brain your brain is physical substance very very complex but it's where memories are stored and it responds to the mind the mind works through the substrate so if we make bad decisions with our mind if we don't learn correctly we actually damage the brain and that can then have a boomerang effect back into the brain everyone can learn how to learn and paramount in this whole whole adhd thing epidemic hoax whatever you want to call it that is happening at the moment a lot of it boils down to these lifestyle factors of what are you eating are you exercising what is your age what is normal for childhood what is normal activity for childhood how are you learning what is your learning pattern are you thinking according to your normal thinking styles in the last episode we talked a lot about thinking styles and a lot about the normal activity of childhood and in this particular episode i want to talk i want to just talk a little bit more about the fact that it's blamed on the brain that the brain is seen as the thing that produces the mind which is incorrect this is very neurocentric when you look at someone as a brain you're looking at them as a biological automaton or a basically a biological computer and basically removing all the lifestyle and environment and context from the person's life and ignoring all of that and just saying that they have a disease and medicating this is called the biomedical model and the approach is psychopharmacological and what that basically those big words mean is that what they're doing their behaviors are diagnosed very quickly to be a disease of the brain and the brain is seen as the primary cause of all of this in all of these communication and learning problems or focus concentration activity etc and that's in correct and it's not even scientific hasn't been proved um really uh, it's a dis- the fact that people even indicate that that adhd or add is a chemical some sort of chemical imbalance which is similar to what they say about depression is not even uh, it's, it's, it's 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 a long discredited theory it's basically even very eminent and highly highly prestigious psychiatrists at top top universities have gone so far as to claim that psychiatry never promoted this bias that um, that ADD and ADHD is a brain disease however this is how it's being managed currently so when you have a situation where science actually has, is saying one thing and the and the the approach is saying something else it's a tremendous concern and a lot of this the reasons I'm doing these podcasts is to give you practical tips to help you if you've been labeled or your child but it's also to help you understand what to listen for what to look for knowledge is power you know when you've got knowledge you can make good decisions so there's also, I'm going to refer you to resources, and I have a very extensive website, drleaf.com, where I have lots of information on this as well, and with lots of resources, I, um, re- references, citations, links, and then in all my books, I have a tremendous amount of information on this with lots of resources as well, and links and citations. 
So what we have to do is we have to get to the point of what ADHD actually is. So I'm going to do two things now. I'm going to tell you about a study that was published recently, and then I'm going to read you the two, the, the 18 checkpoint list that is used to diagnose ADHD. And then you'll see my points in a moment. So just recently, Lancet Psychiatry, which is a UK-based medical journal, published a study. And this study pretty much said that they have found the underlying biological causes of ADHD and ADHD, people with ADD and ADHD have smaller brains are less intelligent and are basically damaged individuals. Now that's the, the big picture of it. Um, if the, t- the study was titled the subcortical brain volume differences in participants with attention deficit and um, hyperactivity disorder in children and adults, a cross-sectional mega analysis. And according to the paper, it had 82 authors, so it's a very extensive paper. The study provides according to the authors, very definite evidence that individuals with ADHD have, old, have brains that are changed, smaller, and they are less intelligent but if you actually look at the research and thank goodness for scientists that have very strong ethics and brilliant scientists that um, take the time to go and pick apart these studies to tell us the truth thank goodness that happened with this particular study because as these as these scientists actually pulled the study apart what they found was a tremendous bias and misrepresentation of the information and the information was not true but unfortunately there were many headlines that came out of the study in popular media things for example Newsweek said study finds brains of ADHD sufferers are smaller I mean just that alone now you your, your child's got a label of ADHD or you have a label of ADHD. And now you're reading in the Newsweek that these 82 scientists have done this extensive mega analysis of research papers. And you and, and these, and I mean, already that makes you think this is truth, because as soon as it's presented like that, we think, wow, this is true. And, it, you know, science is supposed to be reliable. And then you're thinking, oh my gosh, my brain is smaller. What, what does that say about you as a person? I know from my research as a mind-brain researcher, I know from my research that what you thinking is going to impact how you function. I know that labels lock you in. And besides my research, there are thousands of papers daily coming out of universities globally showing the impact of the mind over the brain, how the mind influences the physical functioning of our bodies, how strong our minds are in influencing how we function as a human. So if I'm going to tell you that you that you have a smaller brain because you have ADHD and you have a disease, that's a terrible, terrible proclamation to make over someone and something that I never, ever did in my practice. And this is really really the objective of so many brilliant therapists out there that agree with me. There's a whole there's a whole lot of scientists and therapists that work in this field that agree with what I'm saying now. I always looked at the context of the child's life, of the, of the adult's life. For more information on this, you can go to my website, drleaf.com, and you'll find blogs and scientific FAQs and um, different websites and links. I also recommend that you get my book, Switch on Your Brain, which, um, with a lot, which has a lot of information on on how we think and learn. The other resource is Switch on Your Brain with a five-step learning process, which is the actual techniques that I developed in therapy that will help you to actually build memory and learn. It's got the bridge profile in there as well. It'll help you understand how you think. And then my book, The Perfectly You, this has a lot of information on understanding how we think and um, has a lot of um, tips on, on how to actually how to actually work in your most effective way and how to learn. Um, I also cover in, in these books, I do cover the concepts that I'm teaching now. Okay, so coming back to what the head headlines were. As I said, the Newsweek said that the study, this mega-analysis finds brains of ADD sufferers are smaller. The CNN headline was brains of those with ADHD show smaller structures related to emotion. WebMD said 
imaging study confirms brain differences in people with ADHD and the Telegraph said ADHD is a brain disease not a label for poor parenting. These are terrible misnomers, not at all scientific and have created a furore out there and total confusion and as I said when someone's labeled they're locked in and we have to consider when we deal with something like um, people with learning issues, concentration issues and so on, we have to look at a multiplicity of factors. We have to look at the person in context. We cannot reduce it down to a brain disease. We have to look at lifestyle, we have to look at food, we have to look at diet, exercise, um, age of childhood. For example, a lot of children that are labeled with ADHD, if you look at their age, they're younger than the children in their classroom. So then and then the average child in their classroom. So they started school a little earlier, so they're younger. And so the, in the majority of cases, they, they haven't matured yet. Every month in a child's life is different. They're growing, they're maturing all the time. So very often a child's mislabeled once again with ADHD because they happen to be younger than the other children. So the comparison group is not accurate. So the usual assumption is that ADHD children suffering from a brain disorder are less able to concentrate and focus in school and are thus cognitively impaired in some way. This is the this is the story told by the authors of the study, and they say that um, the, the, the they they basically say the study told um, told of findings that show that ADHD is a disorder of the brain. But this is not true. If the if you actually have an analysis, as I said, these this, the study has been very very analysed, and they showed that there was misrepresentation of data, incorrect interpretation of data, basically. what they did find when you dive into the study is that children with ADHD actually had higher IQs. They did not find that children diagnosed with ADHD have smaller brain volumes. So the the headlines misrepresented what was actually found and the headlines from CNN and WebMD and all those places that I read out Newsweek and so on were being given that information by the scientists. And it was incorrect. When you analyze the study, let me say this again, this large study found that the children with ADHD had higher IQs not lower IQs. They also did not find that children diagnosed with ADHD have smaller brain volumes. Quite the contrary. Um, the study was also riddled with scientific flaws and I can go on and on about how these reliability problems with MRIs and st- statistical errors and um, they uh, they basically didn't do comparisons properly. So there's a lot of scientific flaws in that study but it's held up as a as proof that ADD and ADHD are biologic, have a biological foundation inside the brain and that is not correct. So so that is also the thinking behind using the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, to diagnose ADHD. When I was first started in this field, we did not use that as the only tool. The main tool was to spend a long diagnostic process with your with your patients in order to determine, including whether this learning problems existed, including extensive interviews with families and caregivers, the school, everything that around as much as you could get your hands on, we had to get that information to help make the best diagnosis and intervention plan and prognosis. So based on all of this, my mission is really to to try and help us to understand what's going on. And if we have a look at what the DSM is asking, I just quickly want to make a side note mention. DSM stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, but it's not statistical. And I will be doing future podcasts on the DSM and how dangerous it is to use as a tool to label people. But for now, um, they have 18 behaviors that are listed. And so if you have an honest look at the 18 childish behaviors that the pro-ADHD experts call symptoms, and I put some, say symptoms in inverted commas, basically 
even the most ardent believers will realize that there's something fishy going on because these so-called problems are actually normal childhood behavior. So understanding the details of how ADHD is diagnosed, which is what I'm trying to help you get an insight into in this podcast, can clarify how every child with a healthy heartbeat and an appropriate level of immaturity, appropriate because when you're young, you're young, can be diagnosed with ADHD. So this is why we're getting a huge overdiagnosis because of the way that ADHD is currently being diagnosed. So according to the DSM-5, there are two categories of ADHD and with two sets of the nine symptoms for each, hence the 18 questions. The two categories are um, um, inattention. This used to be considered the ADD part of the diagnosis in the previous DSM editions. I'm talking about the one from the DSM-5. And then the second category is hyperactivity and impulsivity. So inattention is the one category, hyperactivity and impulsivity is the second. So under today's standards, according to the DSM-5, if a person is younger than 17 years of age, they need to have or display or experience six or more of the nine symptoms in one of the categories to be diagnosed with ADHD. Those that are 17 years or older only need to show or experience or display five. So if the patient doesn't have any of these symptoms, but the professional doing the diagnosis still feels the patient is ADHD, they can still label the patient as ADHD unspecified. Yes, you've just heard me correctly. So you can you you can say no to all this all these questions, but if the person diagnosing you feels that you have ADHD, they can actually label the patient ADHD unspecified, okay? And that person can be labeled and drugged even if they only show a few or even none of the symptoms. This test takes a very, this checklist takes a very quick time to do and I keep on stressing and I'll stress it again. When, if you do a proper diagnosis of someone with a learning disability, it's going to take you hours and you have to consider the whole child in context. You cannot reduce it down to a few questions. Okay, I'm just going to read these out to you and as I'm reading them, maybe you can just think think in your head whether you'd say yes or no and um, think when you're back as a child or think of your child or think of yourself or you can just write yes or no down or whatever you want to do or just tick it off however you want to do it. So let me go through the nine symptom checklist for ADHD. First one, often fails to give close attention to details or make careless mistakes in schoolwork, work or during other activities. For example, overlooks or misses details, work is inaccurate. The first thing about that statement often is a very vague term. It's not considered a term that should be used in any kind of evaluation. It's unscientific, it's vague. What does often mean? So already the very first word in this checklist is wrong. It's the incorrect word to be used. And all those things, I have done them frequently. I'm sure you have. It's quite normal. We get distracted. These things happen. And if you had to do a ratio and proportion of your day, you'd find that the majority of your day you're actually managing but you will do this sometime during the course of the day and some days are worse than others but in general this is a kind of very normal behavior second one often has difficulty sustaining attention in tasks or play activities for example has difficulty remaining focused during lectures conversations or lengthy reading how many times have you eaten something funny or you're tired from the night before or you're sitting in an uncomfortable chair or you just have a lot on your mind and you lose attention? So if you say yes to that, now you've already got two, the first two questions, if you've said yes to them, which I've said yes, and I have a pretty good concentration and I can do work for hours at a time and I've already said yes to both of these, I think you see where I'm going with this. So let me read the others. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Seem to listen. I've already mentioned in one of my previous podcasts that we have seven, we our thoughts processed through seven stages and the first stage is how you pay attention and if that stage is happens to be wiggling for you or looking away and you happen to look away then the person is saying then someone else can look at you and judge you and say 
does not seem to listen. That's not scientific. It's not accurate. People are making a lifelong label or influencing the future of someone's life by using these ridiculous questions. Often does not follow through on instructions, fails to finish schoolwork, chores or duties in the workplace. I'm just going to read these fairly quickly now. Often has difficulty organizing tasks and activities. Example, difficulty managing sequential tasks, difficulty keeping materials and belongings in order, messy, disorganized work, has poor time management, fails to meet deadlines. Once again, you might be saying, yes, I do some of those sometimes. No, I don't do them. Often is the first word in the statement. The point being here, let me emphasize again, often is vague. You cannot determine if someone has something wrong by the word often. Next one, often avoids, dislikes, or is reluctant to engage in tasks that require sustained mental effort. What does that even mean? Schoolwork or homework for older adolescents and, and um at older adolescents and adults, preparing reports, completing forms, reviewing lengthy papers. You know, you will have periods in your days, I've already said, where you don't concentrate as well or certain days. These things are going on in your life. We have to balance this. We have to look at the whole context. Often loses things necessary for tasks or activities. Is often easily distracted by extraneous stimuli. Is often forgetful in daily activities. I'm just going to jump to a few of the other. Um, there's nine more. I'm just going to read them short. Often fidgets with or taps hands or feet and squirms. I mean, I'm tapping my feet as I'm talking at the moment. I'm wiggling my hands. I've got my Italian blood. Often leaves a seat in situations when remaining seated is unexpected. My husband has the most phenomenal concentration and, and ability to work and sustain attention, yet he moves around all the time. He's forever getting up and down out of his seat and so on. on, 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 on last one I'm going to read. Often unable to play or engage in leisure activities quietly. What child plays quietly? What adult plays quietly? We just had a celebration for my son's 21st last night. They were all adults. No one kept quiet. We were all having fun. We were not playing quietly. So I'm not going to read the rest. I think you get the point. What I'm going to, this this is pretty much all I wanted to talk about today. And I just want to conclude by saying that my mission is to debunk the ADHD diagnosis and this labeling. My goal is to add common sense to a world where drugging kids for acting like kids is all the rage, for drugging adults and babies for acting like normal human beings and forgetting all about the context of their lives lives is wrong. When discussing ADHD with concerned adults and children, I share how little is required to earn a diagnosis of ADHD in the current way of diagnosing. It never used to be like this. Learning just how non-scientific the diagnosis actually is for many is very often a shocking discovery. Join me in my next podcast as we continue to explore the hoax of ADD and ADHD. Thank you. This is Dr. Caroline Leaf.